This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is Firestarter. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host. Alongside me, the encumbered, and castled, completely doctrined, doctrinated, and inoculated, inseminated, and completely uncreated, Justin Waddell. How's it going, sir? Oh, man. So, right. It's getting hectic out there again, Nick. A little COVID or Christmas fever? <laughs> We've been doing this throughout COVID, and it's we're keeping on doing it throughout COVID. COVID persists well the um, one thing the world needs is a, is a podcast it's true there's not enough of them nobody's getting into it nobody's raking it in i don't understand why our formula is not copied you know why, that, why don't more people have islands at the end of their podcast that's what i wonder yeah I wonder if people do i'm sure someone else does i wonder if the guys at smart lists are like uh man i wish somebody would comment <laughs> they probably don't care about comments they probably no, don't even read them no they're like let me go to my yacht and fucking Ride that little sandwich off into the night. But you're prepping for Christmas. You you, you ready for uh, to ring in the new year as well? What's going on? How are you celebrating? What are you getting? What's under your tree this year? I'm just going to try to live a, have a blessed day almost every day, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to do these days, my friend. Not if you go through the drive through at Chick-fil-A every day. That's true. Oh, they say that, huh? No, I'm just, you know, business as usual. What about you? I'm kind of, you know, I'm all, I'm all um, finished with my shopping. For the most part, ready to to take a couple of days off work. Honestly, you deserve it. You work you work too much. So do you. You work a lot. What? So what else? I mean, just give me something. You, oh, I know. Tell me. You saw a little. You saw a little movie that made some money this weekend. What'd you think? The Mauritanian. <laughs> you did watch that, didn't you? No. Uh, you talking about Spider Man No Way Home? Mm hmm. Uh-huh, it's quite good. You liked it, huh? Yeah. Everything you could have could have wanted and hoped for. It's so good to see Topher again. <laughs> and you didn't, you're not excited about the Matrix movie. I'm very excited about it. It's coming out Wednesday. I could not be less excited about it. Why? I was so giddy about the first one. Yeah, me and, too. And after the the second one, you know how like there was that residual Star Wars haze that permeated the prequels when you watch them. You're like, you, you found ways to pretend you liked them. I didn't get any mm-hmm. of that with the Matrix. I was calling I was calling bullshit right away with the new ones. If if I if you you actually went back to our old podcast, which I think were, was we were recording it before the Matrix sequels came out, I made this bold statement that I said there's no way they can be bad because the Wachowskis are so incredible. The first one's amazing; it sets up an incredible world. Yeah, and you were right. 
The Animatrix nailed it. Marcus Chong really came through. <laughs> I wish that he would be back in this one, but I'm I am absolutely excited about this new movie. It sounds crazy. I think the trailers have been fantastic. So I'm I'm were I'm they ready. Able, were they able to wrangle Lambert Wilson? He's in it. Fuck me. They got the Merovingian. Merovingian. Yeah, yeah. That's who he plays, right? He's in. I don't think Bellucci came back, but they got Jada Pinkett Smith came back Oof. as He's Naomi, a- and um, you know they got all the main cast. You know, except that's not true. Fishburne, no. Agent Smith, no. Yeah, it sucks. So but they got the main. Agent Smith was my favorite thing about the original trilogy. Apparently, it's a huge love story, and I am up for that. I gotta say, I'm a big softy, and you know, I I, I stand, I, I stand, uh, Neo and Trinity. I do, and they're gonna get back together. Come on now, I'm excited. All right, I mean, I'll probably it's gonna be free on a streaming service. So I mean, describe free. I mean, you pay for that shit, no, don't I, you? No, 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 no. Way I look at it. I pay for euphoria. Everything else is fucking gravy. <laughs> I <laughs> I uh, watched two episodes of MacGruber today, and, and you were you're an easy mark, so you loved it. So I will say that I think it's a little uneven. I th- it's fine. I think it's you know fine so far. Um, but the highlight so far is there's a is Kristen Wiig's introduction in the first episode. Believe okay. it or not, okay, she sings a a uh, rambling song for like three minutes. That That's amazing. Okay. But, um, yeah. You're going to watch it, right? I mean, you love the movie. It's it on Peacock. Yes. <laughs> that's a tough ask. <laughs> Do you not have Peacock? I don't think I'd watch 11 kernels if it was on Peacock. Well, I don't know, man. We'll get, get we'll see. I guess it may, maybe it'll hit some sort of service at some point. I got Paramount. I got P. I got all of it. It's so sad. I, I have shutter. I got rid of Shutter. Hated it. I, sh- I should get rid of Shutter too. Even though I li- I like the idea behind Shutter, I never I never click on the app, and I should. If they wanted it to be successful, you know, how like uh, Disney Plus and Apple, they all have their the sound effect it makes when you open it up. Mm-hmm. Shutter could easily solve that problem. Yeah, when you, when you boot it up with Steve Murphy saying Shutter, <laughs> Shutter. <laughs> That's another gem from the old show, Steve Murphy describing to us the plot and the whole movie of the American remake of Shudder, right? Of the Asian yeah. horror Shudder. We couldn't believe it. And um, didn't it turn out that that movie, there's a ghost on their shoulder the entire time? So the character, the way Steve described it is the main character has uh, been experiencing back problems throughout the whole movie. Rubbing his back and is haunched over and then you find out at the end he's had a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> right he's been piggybacking a ghost <laughs> we may have to do that one that's incredible who's in it Kiefer? you know you know who might be in it is joshua jackson i might have that right you should look it up no Kiefer's in mirrors that's right Kiefer's in mirrors yeah Kiefer's in mirrors remember he gets trapped in the mirror world at the end don't tell me remember it like i've seen it did you not watch mirror mirrors no I had a elongated d-jawed amy smart in that movie, I believe she got like her jaw got wrenched. Okay, out. D- okay, I think you're talking about the composer of uh, Game of Thrones. Okay, Dijon. Okay, I get it now. Star um, of the Wishmaster. You could not be more right, Josh Jackson. And then who else is in it though? I don't. I couldn't name another person in it. Nobody you care about. Really? 
a, a small guy, a guy who played a small part in the office, David Denman from uh, mayor of East town. That's it. Okay. Yeah. David Denman in this. I don't know. Rachel Taylor. I don't know. Megumi Okina. Rachel Taylor. I do kind of know her. She's a blonde actress. That's all I remember. I can't remember what else she was in though. Is she the the daughter of Rod Stewart and Rachel Hunter? (laughs) 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 Took her her mom's first name. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, she is. Rachel Taylor. She was, I don't know where she, what she's been in. I, I I know her face. I just can't place her in a movie. Yeah. She's in Shudder. She was in, uh, she was in, uh, Grey's Anatomy and Charlie's yeah. Angels. You know. It don't matter. It don't matter. It does matter. That's the, this is the bones of our show. The bones of our show, Nick. Rachel Taylor is the spine or the phalanges or whatever the, yeah. She's, a tar- she's a tarsal. Um, yeah. You, you, uh, you saw one of our, one of our very exclusive and very rare blink. If you missed it comments, somebody <laughs> was saying they wish we did more current movies. Did they? I didn't see it. Did they say that? Yeah. Somebody said, I wish you would do more current movies. Well, I mean, that would probably get us, I mean, a smidge more listeners. If we did that, I will agree with that comment. Um, yeah. But the he- thing is, it's a lot harder to zoom in. It is, you know, because it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We put months of research into each episode and it's hard to do that when the movies are brand new. (laughs) We'd like to have, we'd like to have a little history under their, under, you know, in their nail beds or whatever. Right. Like we under, underneath their fingernails, I guess is what I mean. And I don't trying to get it out. And, um, I think you're you're, you're thinking of, you're thinking of that Farrah Fawcett movie. When you do a movie like Pig or something that just came out, you don't have that perspective, you know, that you can we can bring this encapsulation of the years into our conversation. Right. You know, it's hard to do that with some movies. Nick. So and I for, think anybody that listens to us knows this as film archivists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, as as much as I love the French dispatch, mm-hmm. it doesn't have a treasure trove of deep cuts and, and, and superior uh, deep dish data as Firestarter, for example, mm-hmm. a miracle of a film that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that people are just, I mean, the fan mail, the letters, I was actually at the grocery store. Somebody had paid, paid for in-store advertising over the PA to say, when fuck movie microscope, do fuck Firestarter. Yeah, I mean, if you put yourself in people's shoes, right? Like, so yeah, let's say you're scrolling through podcasts. Yeah, like you're in their you're in their nail bed, (laughs) and you see like someone talking about, oh well, these guys are going to do some new movies here. They're going to talk about current pop culture moments, um, and this other podcast is going to do, uh, Sea Fever, right? Which actually is kind of new. That's actually one of the new ones we've done. Well, they're, I, mean, and they're, I can't, and, I can't and blame they, people for skipping over a podcast on demographic you know, research. The says, dark. Well, they do a lot of hard things. They should really go deep into the 
popular stuff the Stephen King has done, for example. So let me scroll mm-hmm. through here and see Cat's Eye, Maximum Overdrive, and Firestarter. Maximum Overdrive was a great episode, I thought. And we ended up both liking Cat's Eye more than we thought we would. Right, but what I'm saying is... is I know, I know. We yeah. have not done the big Stephen King movies. I know. But you have to, you have to look at it, too, as a... Um, it's a long game, right? Every film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's almost like, you know, you, you're you're it's lunchtime. You're 38 years old. Let's say you're eating the fries from, let's just say, Johnny Rockets. And people okay. are like, well, man, you know, Fuddruckers has better fries. You're like, I'll get to Fuddruckers when I'm 53. I'm going to be eating the shit out of some Fuddrucker fries. You got to look at it as a long game. The long game. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying there was a rhyme and a reason to what we're doing. It's not necessarily a rhyme or reason, but we have to eat. Right now we're eating Firestarter <laughs> on the movie microscope, folks. It's a show where we zoom in. We dry hump the cougar. We walk upside down in the winter. We tear up and tear out in the hallway with Eddie. We put a watch on without destruction. We square off with the transparent king. We banish the battery. We bookmark the weirdest thing I've ever seen. We redeem the coupons of religion. Xerox our dick and butt. <laughs> and we upturn the fruits of the blackosphere, you know? Watch a movie, see what makes or breaks through the eyes of sickness and sadness and grab a teardrop gummy and roll around in it and share it with the likes of you. <laughs> so if we we're talking about Eddie, we're talking about the scene where Whoopi Goldberg takes out all of the cruisers in order to steal their star player. Talk about the little moments. Eddie. It's one uh-huh. of the it's one of the better Whoopi Goldberg as a basketball coach movies. I don't remember Eddie. Episode um, <laughs> couldn't do it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. Firestarter, Tonto. Is that what you mean? Firestarter. That's a great title, huh? Firestarter. And this is based on a Stephen King book that I've never read, but I'm sure you have. Of course. Actually, I have the original copy that I had when I was a kid. Still. Do you? And if I remember right, I wrote some weird shit in that book. I think it has handwritten stuff for me that says, like, fart. <laughs> So you're taking notes. <laughs> so what, why were you taking notes? Did you used to take notes in your books? No, I used to take my books to school and read whenever I could. And it was always a Stephen King book. And I remember I would, I would just write stupid shit in it in my dumbass, stupid handwriting. So right. I killed it with that thing. Though. I, 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 I carry that book around like a champion. Um, I've never read this book. It, it was it a white cover, if I remember right. There's some like the well, there I'm sure there was the one that I had was the black cover with the uh, black cover, yeah. and there's I imagine there's some sort of fire on the cover. Is there like a chair? There, I, I think something? there's a pyramid shaped fire with her eyes superimposed ah, behind it. Yeah, yeah, fire starter. And it was like a 1980 novel, I think I read. So it's like an celebrating its 40th year of birth, 41st, 42nd, coming up, coming up. Um, Stephen King probably wrote this in 79, 78. Who probably, knows? He's so prolific. Probably high, like drunk and high as fuck when he did. During, that was during the alcohol-fueled years, I'm thinking. No, maybe Tell, not. Maybe not. Who knows? Telling a tale about a young child with mutant abilities, Nick. Some people have com- said that this is like an X-Men movie in a way, and it kind of is. I guess. Anyway, so who's in this? I think everybody probably knows. I mean... Leon Rippey. <laughs> You got anybody else? Art, Car- Art Carney. Art Carney's in it. From the Honeymooners. I mean, you got Robert Miano. You got... Uh, Freddie Jones. Yeah, you got Louise Fletcher. Yep. Yeah, uh, You have Martin Sheen. Sheen in here, coming in hot after um, 
Dead Zone. You you have uh, the uh, enigmatic David Keith. You do. And you have the just about to go fuck off the rails Drew Barrymore. I mean, Andy, you, you skipped one. George skipped C. Scott. Yeah, father yeah. of Father of Campbell. Legend. Is he father of Campbell, Campbell Scott or just like? That's his pop. Is it really? Are you sure? I'm pretty fucking, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I would Isn't he related him. to someone else, too? Isn't he related I mean, I, to... I like, mean, yeah, you have to fuck somebody to make Campbell Scott. Big Campbell Scott fan over here, by the way. Huge guy. Love him. I do like that guy. Yeah, his his mom is Colleen Dewhurst, the actress. Oh, wow. And his father is George Castrato Scott. Wow. Campbell Scott. They named their kid Campbell. I'm going to give you a fucking super zoom. Mm-hmm. That's what the C stands for. Oh, really? Yep. And so uh, I'm going to give you a, a recommendation, a Campbell Scott movie recommendation. There's a movie called Top of the Food Chain that like no one has seen. It's like a parody of like old 50s sci-fi movies. And he plays a, a scientist that carries around a mysterious dummy with him that, you know, they, 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 <laughs> They allude to the fact that he brings it around so he can do sexual things with this dummy that looks like him, I think, in a way. So, but it's a very strange film. It's hard to find, but it's pretty funny. I'm not going to watch it. You don't have to. I was talking to the audience. Until we do it. That movie is from 1999, the year his father left Earth. It's also, there's another title it goes by. So it's it's either Top of the Food Chain or something else. Apex Predator. Is that really? Yep. There's another one too. Then I can't remember the other one. I have the DVD of of the other title. So yeah, this is a it's a big cast. David Keith, I found out today, is uh, two years older than Keith David. I'm gonna zoom in. It's real quick. Who do you I like better? Who, who do you like better? I mean, Keith David is pretty great. You act like who it's you, an you act like it's an easy choice. It's not. It is. It is an easy choice. It's not. It's not as easy as as you as you as you indicate. I really don't think so. Okay, tell me why. Because David Keith, I mean, what was it, the Officer or Gentleman? Yep, he was in that. Lords of Discipline. He, he's been God. There's a there's a bunch of movies where he was. He's just great. I would actually what? say, let's take it a step further. Mm-hmm. Let's just assume that if you have even a, a close to that name, you're pretty great. Brian Keith was another one who was great. Okay. Keith David, a legend. Keith Go- Keith Gordon, I love him. One of my favorite filmmakers. Miles O'Keefe. Uh, yeah, no, I. Yeah, no. Keith David has had a better career for sure, and he's and he's in the best movie of all time. But, That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, but he wins just because of that, right? But David Keith is no pushover, and and honestly, had he managed his career a little better, he's got a very Kurt Russell, Michael Douglas. He could have been a sort of in that kind of sphere of uh, of character actors. Mm-hmm. Just made a couple of bad choices, but he still looks great. He's always been. He's got a great screen persona. Mm-hmm. I think he got nominated. Did he get nominated for Officer and Gentleman? Let's just say yes. You're going to look that up? Because I know he didn't get nominated for this. <laughs> but Heather Locklear did. We left her out of the cat, the roll call here. Yeah. She's in just enough scenes as far as I'm concerned. Almost Heather Locklear is, I believe, screen debut. Big screen debut here. He was nominated for Golden Globe for that. Officer and Gentleman. Um, all right. So this movie begins with... Some chill synth music, Nick. And who's it by? Tangerine Dream, which was just made me so happy to know that they were involved. They're all over the place right around this time, weren't they? 
They were okay. usually doing more films that were a little bit less specific to that era that weren't super fantastical. So tell me a little bit, how's Tangerine Dreams COVID? Are they still around? What's going on? I'm sure they're fine. What do you think of the name? Necessary. <laughs> like what? <laughs> what do they do? Like name some of the movies that you remember that they did. Oh my God. They were all over the goddamn map. Man, they were fucking yeah. up left and right. By the way, this is 1984. I don't know if you said that. They said or the book. The book you, was the right. book was 80. The book was 80. Yeah. Those guys are. They continue to make music. Do they really? Yeah. Still out there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, the famous ones. Yeah. Risky Business, Legend, Near Dark. I didn't realize they did the Keep, which we'll be doing here relatively soon. That's amazing. They've had a lot of members over the years. They've been performing since 1967, and they are still rocking it. You got to. You know what? You got to rock. If you're Tangerine Dream, you, you, you know, you, are they touring? What's going on? Can we go see them? I'd I'm love sure. to go see Tangerine Dream with you. They're big in Europe, though. So uh, I'm going to go shout at them. Play the starter, fire starter. Well, you read, uh, I'm sure you read that they didn't watch the film when they recorded They just made a bunch of music and sent it off to the director. Said, have yeah. at it. Did he, I hope he gave him a little bit of direction. They talked about the plot, maybe, or just some of the characters. Anyway, the movie begins, Nick, with a denim-clad eight-year-old, I imagine, Drew Barrymore, being scurried through a crowd by her, her frantic father, and there is a car in pursuit of them. With the and, uh, whitest agents you'll ever see in your life. And suits, and they're um, they're saying, "Be careful! This guy can do something." They don't know what that is yet, but we need to get these two. And what ha- what happens in the scene? What what's, what's established? Well, we established that David Keith has the ability to influence minds, mm-hmm. and he's got ma- majestic hair. And we he's watch got him lion lion esque hair. He's got a mane of hair here. It's beautiful. Jason Patrick learned a thing or two from him. I'm thinking. I, I agree. Barrymore's hair is no slouch in this. They're both, they both, there's a lot of hair stuff in this. There is a lot of hair stuff. Um, she gets a little bit of assistance. So Keith, au natural. That's true. Well, I mean, look, he, he's always rubbing his hair in this and rubbing his head because he, his powers hurt him. Mm-hmm. His powers make his, he's got mind powers. And when he uses them, it, it gives him headaches it gives him my, a little tiny hemorrhages, I believe, and he, he bleeds from the nose. I would like to do a super cut of this film where every time he grabs his head, it cuts to the guy in scanners. <laughs> so uh, what they do is to get away, he flags down a taxi, and then he commands the taxi driver, I think, with his powers to drive. Yeah, he, which he, I don't. Well, no, he creates a $500 bill. Well, I think first he commands, I might be wrong, but I think first... He rubs his head and says to the guy to drive. Now yeah. that's the guy's job, right? Yeah. Like I think it's a waste of a hemorrhage. <laughs> so then he then he says the that guy. Was, I think that was the working title of this film, by the way. And then and then the guy's driving and he goes, "Where do you want to go?" And he goes, "I want to. We want to go to the airport." And the guy flips out. Yeah. He said, "I'm it, not taking you to the it, airport." That's Antonio Vargas. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh yeah 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 from uh, yeah yeah Huggy I'm, Bear is a Huggy yeah, Bear. Yeah. Yep. Yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. From um, Starcy and Hutch. Hutch. Um, so, yeah, so he does this trick. Describe this trick. This is the first kind of real psycho... This is, actually, that's not true. What What is this, his power? Is it psychokinesis? Is that what you would call it? That sounds about right. Yeah. 
that used to there was a lot that like the seventies and eighties that you could get away with doing psychokinesis movies. And I remember sitting in my room trying to move my action figures with my mind. Did you ever do that stuff? No. I tried. I, I, I used mine. I used my mind. <laughs> Did you ever try that? Yes, I tried to. I, well, I was trying to Luke for. I was trying to use the force. I wasn't trying to telekinesis yeah. shit. Well, I was trying to move, and then I eventually just lined them all up, and then I would, I would take a rubber band, and then I would call my shot, and I would like flick the rubber bet the band, like I I knock down Boba Fett, and I got good at that. So the mind control stuff, the mind powers, never. But I also was convinced at one point that I could I could fly when I was a child. Like I if I just somehow could just you know jump at the right moment, I could fly or something. I was convinced I was invincible. Really? And so far. I'm right. Hey, well, you said your your foot hurts today, though. Your well, leg hurts. I, yeah, I had a catastrophic knee injury a few days ago, but I'm I'm living, moving through so it. So what happened? Like, what's going? What is it during Firestarter? This happened. This is after I was on a high after watching mm-hmm. Firestarter. I was uh, tr- I was trying to get over a gate. You know, I was checking on animal stuff, and I was going to the gate. My foot got caught, and I fell right towards the glass table, kitchen table, Oof. and I so my knee, my leg was stuck, and I had to twist to avoid hitting the table and it my knee it was jarred and i fell down hard on my so i thought i'd blown my acl out or whatever but did you go to the dock or anything you just let no i no i just did the you know i did the rice thing you know i ordered chinese food (laughs) so you're still getting over this is a couple days ago yeah but i was able to play golf yesterday uh relatively painless you know Uh, Mm -hmm. the problem is is going up and down stairs and i'm really hoping nobody challenges me to to a kumite in the next how do you days. play how how do you play golf now that you're so famous from the podcast? I mean, do people coming up to you all the time when you're trying to tee up a shot? They're like, yeah. So or you like, have to go to the clubhouse and pay before we're allowed, you're allowed to get out. Is that Nick Nunziata from the world famous movie Microsoft podcast? Um, just got a double bogey. What's your worst? Like, so you just play golf. What's your worst? Uh, what was your worst hole there? What was your worst shot? I had a triple. I had a triple. Triple bogey? Yeah. Did you slam a golf? Did you throw the golf club no. into the pond or whatever, anything? Whenever a guy uh, chastises me or something, I, could, I, could, I count that as a comment on the show. Oh, thanks. Good look. <laughs> do you play fast when you – we won't talk about golf very long. Do you play fast when you're out there or do you take your time? I don't like people that take their time. Yeah. You got to move it. It's like in poker when people just take way too long. I feel like, you know what you're going to do. You know, you're not, it's not, you know, and honestly, golf is such a tempo game. The more you stand over the ball and think about it, the worse off you are typically. So it's a matter of just trusting your athleticism and letting it go. Doesn't always, doesn't always work. But I love, I love it going out there. It was a good time. But yeah, so he turns that shit into a $500 bill, which I didn't know existed. Maybe they he turns a, I think he turns a one into a five. Yeah. that Yeah. He's not going to be happy. They do exist. They, They don't, I think they, they're not in circulation anymore, but I think you can, if you have one, it works. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. They don't make them anymore. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think they do. I'd love to. But anyway, yeah, it gives the guy a $500 bill, and he gets excited. He goes, I'll do anything for this. I'll take you to the airport. He's a taxi driver. And um, so that's where they go. And then he decides that they're going to get rich at the airport by – he uses his mind tricks to – I don't understand his abilities necessarily, but he uses his mind tricks to get coins from the payphone. My note is David Keith kicks a payphone's ass with his mind. <laughs> and, you know, Drew Barrymore, his young daughter here, um, 
is upset that they're stealing um, and yeah. thinks it's it's bad. And his yeah. Now, can I pull back a little bit be, be, before we have that sequence? First of all, um, there's a flashback. Oh, is it is it not time for that? Do they have a flashback before the sequence? Yeah, they have a flashback. Oh, he falls asleep in the taxi, right? Yeah, yeah. and he's remembering when he w- when he was in a, a focus group of people that were doing uh-huh. these tests. First this part's of all, amazing. yeah, this this part is amazing. We're introduced to one of the stars of the film, Lot Six. Yeah, Lot Six. Lot Six is the uh, the serum that they're given, you know, to see if they anything manifests. We're also introduced to the shop, which is the ultimate villain in this story, and we're also interested interested. We're introduced to a recurring movie microscope theme. What? Somebody's hair being described like copper, oh, yeah. like copper set on fire. Yeah. So in this scene, there's a bunch of kids that have volunteered, young people that have volunteered. It looks like for an experiment, some of them are going to be giving, given a mild hypnotic something. And some of them are going to be given um, uh, a placebo. Right. And so they're all in these like hospital beds and Keith, David, I'm sorry, David Keith is stretched out on the bed and he is right next to a very young Heather Locklear and he is instantly smitten and flirting with her. And one of his pickup lines in this to her is, uh, I'm broke or I'm broke too. <laughs> Cause she said she really needs the money. And he says, I'm broke too. Um, but what happens is they get injected and they can hear each other's thoughts. Right. And he, instead of, um, he's thinking very pleasant thoughts about her hair, very romantic thoughts about her hair. Uh, not sexy thoughts, but you know, just how beautiful she, her hair looks. Mm-hmm. And she re- she picks up on that anyway. And the rest of the people are not having a romantic time. Their eyes are bleeding and they're dying. <laughs> and they're, they're staring longingly into each other's eyes. And she's like, your chin is like a baby's butthole dimple. <laughs> And, and he's like, your hair is like copper set on fire. And she's like, you know, like your taint is fucking weak. <laughs> My heart so burns it, there too. <laughs> so then it, then it cuts to, um, back to, to the taxi that took him to the airport. And then they, they have their little, they go for a, um, um, uh, they go for a, like a very small time crime which is to, to boost uh, payphone money. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's going to get him. He's like, you want to eat, don't you little girl? You want to, that's how we're going to eat. That's how we're going to get, that's how daddy's going to get Arby's tonight. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so they do it. And you know, you find out too, that something happened in the past where the mom is dead and the mother, mother is hot. Right. What's, what was your conversion rate back in the day on checking a payphone, hitting that little switch to see if any coins fall out? I mean, every time, every single time you put a coin in it, and then whenever you th- you'd see if it would come back to you, like if it didn't, if it didn't, you know. Yeah, but also you'd walk up to a payphone you had no oh, yeah. intention of using, of course, and work that thing. I, I I had a pretty good conversion rate with that. You got you got a lot, huh? I would say lifetime at least twelve dollars. Really? Yeah, that's a, you know. I never had that much. Like I had more luck in like vending machines and things like that than I would ever have in a payphone. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, so um, in in this airport scene, you begin to see, you get a glimpse of Drew Barrymore's power. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie McGee. And, um, yeah, 
she is um, overhearing a conversation between a soldier at the airport and a, a young woman who has accused the soldier like of getting her pregnant. She says, you know, you're responsible. I'm pregnant. I'm holding my belly here. And the guy's like, ah, not me. You know, I didn't do that. You bang. He's like, yeah, you've been, you're, you're, you're banging all sorts of guys. Yeah. He's like a dick. And Charlie, she's, she, her face gets angrier and angrier. And she sets the soldier's shoes on fire, gives him hot foot. He runs to the bathroom and he has the best line in the movie. What's that? This guy gets mad. Like he, this guy, I don't know if it's a, it's a security guard at the airport. He chases him in the bathroom. And the guy says, do you mind waiting until I put my feet out? Because <laughs> he has his feet in the toilet. He does have his feet in the toilet. That's another note. Uh, and of course, how we yeah. know that Charlie is using her powers is the camera fixates on her in a medium shot and her hair goes blow, blow crazy. Like they turn yeah, the they, fan onto a billion and shoot that shit all over her. Yeah, she's got the hair that's the stir, the stirring hair. You know, so both of these characters have powers, but they also have a tell. Big tell. Well, well, yeah. If you see David Keith grabbing his head, or if you see Drew Barrymore's hair going blow wild, mm-hmm. run. None of the characters understand this. Yeah. No, none, of, none of anybody in the movie ever sees those those signals and does anything. You know. Um. Anyway, so uh, they have another flashback, right? Is that when this happens? I think. I think. Um, well, first they. I think they. Oh, they go no, to the hotel. Right? No, first they're running. They're they're uh, running, and they do this awful. Fr- they're like trying to get away, and and they they uh, there's a car coming, so they have to jump over the edge of a. Of yeah, a I don't understand that. Like, so he's worried about being chased, and then they're on the side of a highway, and he like he sees a car, and he like flips out, he, and, and he, I'm like, well, no, remember he has a pre- there's a premon she has a premonition that they're coming. Oh, does she? Yeah. Okay. And so okay. he, but he what he does is he he finds a part of the freeway to jump over. That's mm-hmm. on a hill, and they they lo- hop over it and instantly tumble down forever and almost get hit by a car. It's like they they, 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 they gets knocked out, right? Yeah, they're he su- knocks himself out. Their survival instincts are dog shit. Um, speaking of, she's got to be the most unpunishable kid possible, right? Like the fact that her powers are so insane, like she can get away with anything, right? Like, you know what I'm saying, like. You can't ground if she's like staying up late to watch TV, or she's like watching YouTube. Uh, let's just say if she's the present day Firestarter, mm-hmm. you know she's not listening to you. You know she won't do her homework. What are you gonna do? You can't like get her mad. She's like shoot fireballs at you. No, she she won't. You got to trust that she won't. She lit she lit her mom's oven mitts on fire because she was angry at her. Yeah, but she also learned that with great power comes great responsibility. She's she does not want to burn things up. It makes her sad. Oh, did you watch the same thing the movie I watched? Because I think at the end she learns with great power comes, I have fireballs under my power. I'm going to shoot people into trees. <laughs> well, that's things that things escalate. But I, I, I can't imagine that, you know, you know, she she leaves the, uh, you know, the bathroom uh, door open and the toilet's not flushed that he she's going to get in a situation where she has to incinerate somebody. You know? I don't know. I'm just saying she's got a temper and then she's got a righteous sense of justice. Obviously she doesn't like seeing the soldier be a deadbeat and she, but she just cutely lights, lights his, his, his footwear on fire. So that guy's, that guy, he comes like away unscathed. I don't think he learned his lesson, Nick. He got court martialed for that. Did he? Yeah. Burnt shoes. It's a big one. 
Um, embarrassing, embarrassing the service by putting your feet in the toilet. But you're right. Shortly after, there is a flashback where we discover the fate of one Heather Locklear, and we're introduced to Leon Rippey in a sequence that I remembered very vividly from this film. So yeah, Heather Locklear, the mom um, here, uh, you know, they have a cute scene where uh, the dad's testing his daughter's powers and trying to get her to burn, to kind of toast bread, like, you know, you know, control her power enough where she can just toast the bread without setting it on fire. Now she doesn't have enough control yet. So she can only toast it and then burn it to a crisp and then get mad at her mom and burn her mom's oven mitts, you know, so she doesn't have full control of her power, but her dad is trying to teach her to have, uh, you know, to rank, to wrangle it in. I'm going to see her throughout the movie trying to rein it in. Right. Yeah. I'm going to ask you one of the big questions I've always been asked when I was a kid was, would you eat, mm. would you eat mine burnt toast? That's such a good question. That guy, would I? Cause there's you know, a part might, of, there's a part of me that'd be scared of it. I might. Yeah. I might go, um, Hey, you know what? I just ate. Like I might try to come up with a polite excuse. You know, or like, you know, if they made me take the bread, just pretend I pretend I ate it and like hi, try to hide it in a napkin. Yeah, you could. You I don't think I'd be comfortable. You yeah. just can't treat her as a squishy pink convection oven, right? You got to think of uh-huh. her as a human being. And if she's mind burning your toast and there's maybe there's a little bit of creep to that, you know, it's like that. Uh, yeah, she's getting you think she's getting some germs on it. Yeah. Is that her? Is that her blood? Is it what's her soul? Are we getting a piece of her? her soul in there she's infusing the toast with with her her uh yeah like her powers and it's or there's some remnants of weirdness in there yeah, that might make you sick yeah. yeah or her skin that's a good question yeah oh i hope not yeah um but then you, you maybe you turn it down and the dad would start rubbing his temples and he'd be like take the toast and you're like god damn it yeah. okay I'm, i actually am hungry and i wonder the extent i was th- i was thinking about this quite a bit i was thinking about the extent of his powers because he's yeah. able to mind fuck a payphone, right? So his powers don't make sense. Like he can mind control people, but then all of a sudden he's also changed in the channel with his powers. Right. Well, that's a big moment for him for some stupid reason in this movie. But there's also these guys say, don't look at him. Don't let him look in your eyes. Because that's how I guess. Where do you look in the, do you look at the payphone's handle? And it's like, that's what got it. Or to see if the, yeah. or maybe he's got way crazier powers than we think, you know? Because yeah. like there's a scene shortly after this, we find that Heather Locklear took the huge loss and Leon Rippey and Robert Miano are in the front yard. And David Key says, you're blind to him. Mm-hmm. And they turn blind as fuck. They do. They think they're blind. Mm-hmm. No, they're blind. They think they're, I think they think they're blind. And so therefore they're blind. He controls them. He tricks them. It's sort of like Jesse Custer's power from Preacher in a way. No. Yeah, I guess you're right. But yeah, that's the thing. So Heather Locklear <clears throat> is killed at her house by these guys. He's just he, he the dad finds her body on an ironing board. And then um he doesn't know where his child is. Where where is Drew Barrymore? Where is Charlie? And you know, Charlie's over at the friend her friend's house, I guess. And he goes there and gets her in the nick of time from these bad guys, you know, from these government agents. And so and blinds them, like Nick said. So they're on the run. This is like a flashback. And um that's it. Like, I, I don't, I'm trying to catch us okay. up. What happens after this? So we're introduced yeah. to some of the adversaries over at the farm, right? Martin Sheen is, is sort of the guy in charge of this operation. Oh, the shop. And, the shop. and things have escalated. So he has to call in the big guns, the, right. the, the big, the, the solver, the fixer. Yeah. And he strides in with his fucking ponytail. 
You know, I mean, Martin Sheen's looking pure as the driven snow in in this period in his life. He's like a clean cut. Looking wonderful. He looks like everything, all the promise of Charlie, all the promise of Emilio, a little of the promise of Ramon and Renee in one beautiful body. And and then George C. Scott tumbles in, blowing the fucking smoke off everything, just killing planet Earth as Mr. John Rainwater. Or Rainbird, John Rainbird. Rainbird is right, yes. And it is something Um, else to see that shit. Actually, Martin Sheen has introduced... um, Riding to work on a 10 speed in this seemingly riding up to like a plantation. That's mm-hmm. sort of the look like this is set. Like this is their, their, um, their place of operations. Well, this was during know. Dino De Laurentiis's, you know, heyday in filmmaking in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I think they used what they had there. You know, there's a right. no, yeah, yeah. no shortage. And they didn't even bother yeah. to change the location in the movie. It's like, Oh, you're, we're, we're in, legendary Wilmington, North Carolina. By the way, <laughs> folks, listeners, if you're ever yeah. in Wilmington, Amy's Burritos, I am not fucking with you, is insane. Good. What kind? What burrito? They're bit, well, the, I had a seafood one that was astonishing, but they're, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a magnificent place to eat. And it's a dive, but it is insanely good food. Amy's Burritos, huh? Yep. I used to have a bumper sticker from it. That's how much I liked Did it. Yeah. Wow. And they're still there. Yeah. I got the bumper sticker in the past like four years. Oh, wow. Um, That's great. So, guys, fucking make the trip. But, yeah, so tell me a little bit about what you think of George C. Scott when you first meet him in this film. So, he's definitely chewing the scenery. He's a larger-in-life figure here. He's obviously the bad guy. Like, he's a main bad guy. You know, So, you know that. And the first thing that he's introduced, he's got a scarred face. He's wearing, like, throughout the movie, he's kind of, in this scene, I think he's kind of wearing, like, a what it looks like a leather robe. He's got insane. His, fa- ins- his fashion. William, is William L. Peterson lost his shit watching this movie. And he's got a, I, a milky eye to go with it. He does. And I, I feel like his character must be, in the book, a uh, Native American character. And George C. Scott is not. But they keep all the, like, he has, like, um, I don't, he, some of the outfits he wear, it's like he was wearing like Navajo, you know what I'm talking about? Like that kind of style or whatever, like ponchos and stuff. Like it's like they, Anyway, I, they're remaking this movie. They're remaking this movie, I think, with Zac Efron. I think we talked about this. And they have cast, like, Michael Gray Eyes is that part, you know, who's a Native American actor who's, who's really good. So, anyway. But, yeah, he's insane in this. Like, his, like you could tell he's just, he's a threatening piece. Of, he's a threatening pile. And the scientist that had administered this experiment is in the scene. He comes in with a cane and he warns them because they, you know, he knows that they're trying to get these two. They, he goes, you need to bring them in and you need to kill them. Because he says the little girl might crack the earth in half. That's how powerful she is. And that's good old Freddie Jones, best known for what movie? I don't know. Crawl. Is he in Crawl? I mean, he's not best known for that. But yeah, that's where I, that's where I fell in love with him. Um, and he waves his cane at them. Yeah, he has a good and, he uh, has a good time in this. You know, it's funny. Yeah. There's there's a great mm-hmm. moment. So these guys are debating. You know, they know that they need to capture these two because they want to see what's going on. Because you know, but. The thing that's really getting into Freddie Jones's craw is he's really worried about a period in her life where he makes a comment about 20 months of pituitary gland hyperactivity. Like he's really concerned with her pituitary. Yes. And so like that's like his big motivating factor for getting them to act hastily 
because that pituitary is going to go fucking nuts. Yeah, he sounds very strange when it comes. He's seemingly obsessed with Drew Barrymore's character, who is eight. And um, we don't know why. It seems a bit unseemly almost, you know. Um, but, you know, they they are trying to, to bring in these two uh, these two mutants. And um, they eventually they do get them. But what happens before that? Like, where do they, where do they hide out for a while? They hook up with the majestic Irv Mander. Is that his name in this? Yes. <laughs> uh, played by the wonderful actor Art Carney, who I who I loved uh, in the Honeymooners, and I still do. And Louise Fletcher as his wife, fresh off an Good. Oscar win for Cuckoo's Nest, and uh, fresh off well, uh, less than a decade off, barely. And so, and so, uh, <clears throat> whoa, they. Sorry, they have a, um, you know, they basically go to the, they're, they're kind of hiding out of this place. You know, Art Carney is, is, is nice enough to kind of put them up and he starts asking questions. But lo and behold, who shows up at this place? But a ton of feds. The shop. And but um, let's, okay, let's talk a little bit about like Art Carney had already won an Oscar before this as well. Both of those people were right. Oscar winners. What, Harry and Tonto, maybe? Art Carney. Okay. Always had his nose reminded me of a lizard a little bit, but yeah. So there's like this funny, quaint little like dynamic with Drew Barrymore and David Keith hanging out with them. I kind of like that. It's so off. It's so off tonally. Sure. But the movie, he's sympathetic. He is. They're both. Yeah. And and, and the mm-hmm. look Louise Fletcher gives him when they're walking into the house with these un, un, unexpected guests. It's it's there's something about it that I really found charming. But yeah, you're right. A whole bunch of shot fucks show up and um, they start, you know, saying that, you know, what happens is like the, the, the they say you, you need to come with us. Right. And then Art Carney comes out with a rifle and he's like, get off my property. Let me see your warrant. Like he tries to protect these two. He doesn't need to, Nick. Right. But can I just I'm going to pivot for just a sec. Sure. Did you notice that the movie reference before, right before Art Carney picks him up? I, I know that he, she starts to demonstrate her powers before they come. Like she melts some butter and does something else in the house. Well, no, what? before he picks them up though, there is a sign that says gas. Oh, it picks them up. It says, yeah, yeah. Okay. It says gas food lodging. Oh, so Allison Anders. One of the best. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. She melts the dick out of some butter and mm-hmm. then, you, you talked about him showing up with his little rifle and all that. It's so great because he does come out with that pea shooter, and he's and he's he's like he, he's he's throwing some. He sounds a little too close to home with it, the way he's talking about his land and yeah his rights and the cat little castle doctrine shit and he's all that. Does he regret um, in, inviting them into his home? So yeah, Drew Barrymore just turns to him and is like, "I got this," and then she starts to um, burn people. In in this in this group of people and blowing up their cars so they can't drive away, and then she actually burns one of the main guys to a crisp. He's later just a burning dummy on the ground. I noticed they do not have a good time that group, and um, and so then they leave. Like I think Art Carney gives them a car that they well, can get away with. Who is one of the chief Jeep or something? Who's one of the chief shop members who shows up at the scene? Is it is Dick Warlock in that scene? Dick Warlock, baby. And um, the Louise Fletcher said. Says like when he offers the jeep, she says to our Carney. When he offers the jeep, he says, "She says, don't get involved any deeper." Is it possible at this point? Like there, are, <laughs> his yard is littered with a few dead government agents. Like, and he gave away a jeep. You know, who I felt bad for with those adorable chickens walking all over the place. There, Drew Barrymore was scared of him. Yeah. Or uh, Charlie was scared of him. She asked Art Carney if they peck. She got nervous that they might. She might have to uh, pull a Sanders on him. Did you ever? She well. And roast chicken, roasted chicken. Do you ever, do you ever get scared of chickens, Nick? Ever in your Fucking life? Fucking never. 
Really? Love me a chicken. You never got scared? Never got scared. I got chased by a peacock once. Did it scare you? No, I thought it was amazing. I was laughing the whole Peacocks time. are aggressive, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, um, they're aggressive when they're trying to get their hands on McGruber. The, um, L- Louise Fletcher rocked some disgusting brown socks in this. That's <laughs> super, a super zoom. <laughs> a super zoom. Yeah. Okay. I didn't notice this. She had so- <laughs> She wasn't white socking it. She was wearing least. some gross ass brown socks with a dress. And her little cute kids type per- per- person shoes. Was her uh, <laughs> was her brown socks matching the dress? No, and that's and and I think you know what I took out of that was Mark Lester, the director, was like, "Well, these are simple folk, right?" She mm-hmm. wasn't expecting guests, and I think that's why she threw that look at Art Carney. She's yeah. like, "You're going to let these people see my brown fucking Thursday socks." She didn't have time to slip away, excuse herself to go change socks. Yeah. It was there's too much happened too fast. Yeah. You see her at the end again, right? Of course. You do. And she how's her sock what's the sock situation at the end? Did you notice? I think I don't think we get to see them. I don't think the camera doesn't even investigate. That'd be great Louis though. Louise Fle- <laughs> Fletcher isn't Louise Fletcher's not still. She's not still uh, rocking her I think she still rocks earth earth hard. I think she's Does still she? I think she's still on the right side of the soil moving around. She is a living bastard. And is she 87 is she, years available. And once her last role, did you did you notice? Uh she was the spokesperson for Brown so- uh let's see. Well they, <laughs> she was in that resurrected Grizzly 2 movie and she oh, was most nice. re- recently spotted on an episode of Girl Boss in 2017. Oh, she worked recently. Is she on social media? Yeah. She's got an OnlyFans. <sighs> And that's how, yeah. And so is so does Drew Barrymore in, in every scene in this movie. I know she does get her hair whipped around. Um, so okay, ultimately though, they get caught. Well, they go to a grandfather's old place. That's that's a there's a crime. You know, they have, he has like a old cabin, and they walk along. They have a there's a very long bridge to that cabin, which I thought was I like that bridge over the lake. Um, yeah, yeah, it's cute. And um, and they're like they're gonna hole up there. And, you know, fortunately, they can't hold up anywhere. They they just constantly are getting found by these government agents. And then Jersey Scott tranks them, tranks both dad and kid. And then they then they take him to the plantation. I love that, though. I love that that scene where he's up in the trees and they're carrying. Mm-hmm. Their, it's a long scene. Who gets shot first? Her, right? She gets shot with the train first. She gets shot, shot. She gets shot first. And the dad is carrying a wheat and raisin checks cardboard box. Did you notice of course, that? Yeah, cereal time. Wheat and raisin. Did they make that? I don't remember that combo. Abs- I don't. One hundred percent, they did. Did they still make it? Because it seems like someone's not going to be eating that anymore. Wheat and raisin checks. Come on. Actually, now. I think it went off the market after the after they saw a guy get shot carrying it in this movie. It's like, ugh. But she, oh, right. she and, loses and her they, teddy bear in that scene, too, which is a big deal. I know. Here's another thing we didn't just... They, they do try to mail, at this point, mail uh, <laughs> their story. So stupid. They, may, they try to mail their story to um, to the newspapers, like what's happening. And instead... Uh, so George, And they know they're getting surveilled, right? So, they, so the bad guys, instead of just breaking into the mailbox <laughs> and just getting the letters, they decide to wait for the mailman to come and then they kill him They kill a government employee in the street. <laughs> they kill him and take a le- the letters. Um, I think they should have just broken into the mailbox. That's what I say. It's an unnecessary death in this movie. That poor mailman. Um, um, anyway. So, so yeah. So what, what's happening? And once they get taken to this, well, they've, this... Been, they've been separated. 
Mm-hmm. And they're in these, you know, really nice little bedrooms and all that, that have, you know, the windows and all that are boarded up and all that. But Keith is, you know, he's in his little place and she's in her little place and they've given her a ColecoVision. So I don't know what the fuck she's complaining about. I know they try to give her a lot of toys in this. They give her a bunch of stuffed animals. They give her a ColecoVision, which is like, that, that's an early ColecoVision. Like that's like, it just came out, right? At this time? Yeah. I mean, like, you act like when the, did Coleco hit? I mean, it was the early to mid eighties. Yeah. What was your favorite ColecoVision game? Do you remember? Smurf Adventure. That's what I was going to say. It was. It had the best graphics, man. I thought that I was just blew my mind how good that game looked. And the Easter egg. I bet if you, I bet if you looked at that game now, you would not believe how bad it looked. And the, but and the Easter egg. What does that mean? What's the Easter egg? You can make Smurfette's clothes, oh, clothes come off. Yeah, and that's and that was I didn't do that, but that is. And what does that mean? Does she does she look naked or she just had no shirt? I mean, the graphics. It was was it even 8-bit at the time? It was probably not even 8-bit. <clears throat> there was this board where she was on one end of the board, and if you walk right to the edge of the screen, right right before you left the screen, her, her dress would come off. But you're looking at a blob of pixels. You know, your imagination mm-hmm. had to do all the heavy lifting there. But I'll tell you, it didn't stop me from <laughs> trying it out. I mean, like, you know, it was like one of those things. You had to, you know, it was, right. it was like the transmolecular dot in Atari Adventure. You had to find it, get to know. Yeah, I didn't ever get that. I was just impressed. I don't know who the the lead Smurf was in that movie. I don't know who you played. Do you remember Handy? I don't think he had a name. There's no way. And so then you could just you you can duck with him and you can make him dance. We used to make him dance, and like he would like kind of crouch and right. up and down. Right. And I thought that was so cool. You know, I mean, this is like back in the day. This is when you know I'm still remembering tar- Atari graphics, which were always super blocky. Well, Smurfs look like. What was it called again? I'm gonna look it up. Smurf, Smurf, Smurf Adventures. Smurf Adventure. Uh, yeah. Well, you keep in mind too. Atari had already happened and television had already happened. The Odyssey 2 had already happened. The Atari 800 maybe had happened. Maybe even the 50, I think the 5200 combated the ColecoVision. I think those guys were going head to head. Because I remember the game that blew my mind for the Atari 5200 was Countermeasures. I don't know if you remember that one. Huh. Wow. Yeah, it does look, it doesn't look as bad as I thought it would actually. Coleco had some sweet, sharp graphics, right? But the controls were dumb and they broke easy. I never had it. I don't think. I th- I just had friends that had it. Did you have it? I did. I got it late though. I, th- I remember it was sort of at the end of its life, which wasn't a very long life in the first place. Martin Sheen and George C. Scott, uh, the, their scenes together are probably some of my favorite parts of this movie. There's a little animosity between them because Sheen kind of doesn't want Rain Rainbird to be around, and there and there's an element of of them trying to get rid of him in, in play. Yeah, he's kind of a loose cannon. Like, he does the job, but he's a little bit, you don't know, he's unpredictable. And Martin Sheen is a businessman. Like, he he knows that they need to experiment on this these two. And he and he loves doing it, loves his work. He's got his team. And they're making progress with the experiments. Like, and they're, they're, treat, they're treating their two kidnapped victims fairly nicely. They're not, like, beating them up. They're, they're just keeping them separate. But I thought it was amazing yeah. that... Sheen at one point, you know, they're, they're having, there's a lot of that scenes of them drinking brandy or whatever it may be. Right. Oh, first Freddie Jones. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we missed his death scene. Freddie Jones uh, is, is threatening to raise a stink and they will have none of it. And one of George C. Scott's first jobs is to karate punch him to death in this movie, which is hilarious. And I, if you go to our social media account, um, you'll see a picture of, of Freddie Jones's dummy's face smashed in. Yeah, it's like kind of indented. It's kind of a cute dummy. Yeah, he wakes up to that. Like he wakes up and sees George C. Scott standing over him, and and then he gets delivered the death blow. It is an amazing scene. He wakes up. It, he Freddie Jones. They're like Freddie. You know, 
be, you're, an, you're a great actor, Shakespearean, mm -hmm. you know, classically trained. Wake up at your pace. <laughs> it does take a while. <laughs> and then he notices Jersey Scott. And Jersey Scott is standing there with, with his, uh, in, in the about to karate chop position. Like the, the karate <laughs> chop in repose. And then he, he smashes him in his, what do you, what do we call that spot between your fucking, what's that name? It's my it's like he smashes him in his cheek. I thought he smashes him in that part that we always talk I about. I think he does. I think it implies that like he smashes his brain, his nose into his brain, it's like right? The, but the diplomat's pouch, whatever they call that section of your face. Oh, we talked about this before. Yeah, that. But he but it looks like they he indented, indented the side of his face as well. Yeah. And so then you realize that that George C. Scott, like later, he does like to get handsy with his kills. Like he likes to kill people with his bare hands. And that's how he plans to kill Well, that's Charlie. that's where I was kind of going is there's a scene where Martin Sheen, because his one prerequisite about coming on board to do this task was that once he gets them and they've done their test, he gets he gets a little keepsake for his work. And that keepsake is the living form of Drew Barrymore. Which is he gets to keep it's creepy, yeah, a little creepy. And you don't know why, like he and so what and what he's done in this movie too is to get this bargain. He also, you know, Drew Barrymore isn't cooperating, and she just wants to see her dad, and she won't show her powers, and they're they're doing everything they can to convince her. They're giving her a Cabbage Patch Kid, uh, just like she got in Cat's Eye. You know, um, they're giving her ColecoVision. They're doing all sorts of stuff. So a room full of stuffed animals not working, but they have Jersey Scott disguise himself as a friendly janitor that cleans her room, and he befriends her and convinces her. And how does she just? What is his yeah. uh, his coup de gras on, on convincing her he's a good guy? Tells her his Vietnam horror story. No, no, no. But first, why? Like, what is he scared to death of? Oh, the dark. So mm -hmm. funny. He he. The oldest trick in the book makes her think <laughs> he, he's scared he, of the dark. But he makes him. It makes him think whenever they, when he was captured a POW in Vietnam, and they threw rotten rice down at him, and he describes this to her like she would have any inkling about what he's talking about, you know. Mm -hmm. But she feels bad for him. Gives him a little, you know. She holds his hand. No, that's anyway. not true. That's not true. She goes, "Were you in the shit?" <laughs> and um, so then she's like, "Okay, I'll start doing these experiments." And so they have her test uh, her 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 power on wood at first, a tray of wood. That's easy for her, no problem. And they they're thrilled that it works, that she can light that on fire. And then they have her test it on like a a wall made of like what cinder blocks. Mm -hmm. She lights that on fire. Um, and it's hard for her to stop. Like once she starts to like to light things up, she has to tell herself to like back off, back off, it's, back. I off. wrote back off, and I was thinking, why did I write that down? And I remembered it's the least cinematic thing in a movie. It's so funny that she's telling, and she keeps throwing her fire into water. Like she's, she cools it down by focusing it on something that's not going to blow up or whatever. Probably works so, a lot better on the page than it does. On the there's page. actually a couple of stepping stones here. Another thing that convinces her, I think to show her powers is that George C. Scott takes her riding on one of the best plantations, horses. Best and then the horses, name is necromancer, right? It's necromancer. So, um, she loves necromancer. And so, you know, what I thought was also funny is, you know, she's doing all these tests and these guys are celebrating. Right. You know, and they're, she's like lighting wood on fire and they're high-fiving. Meanwhile, their co-workers out in the field have been burned to a crisp by her. You know, they could also just, couldn't that be like the test? She passed that one as well. Right. You know, but I guess they have they have to, to aim a camera at her and, and get proof that she can do this. You know. Necromancer. The other horses, some of the other horses are Old Doc and uh, White Cloud. Those are some of the other horses in that yep. state. And Misty. Yeah, okay, I can read my handwriting there. Yeah. Necromancer, that killed me. I was like, wow, that is 
That is fantastic. So yeah, George C. Scott, we were talking about how he can, he, you talk about why he wants Drew Barrymore. What's he going to do? What is, what's his explanation? Well, the, the way he, it starts off and you think he wants to have her as a, as a fuck puppet. Yeah. He wants to, it seems like he wants to do weird things with her, which is not, was in the super not cool. Back, but back then you know, it wasn't even acceptable. Now, I mean, so, you know, yeah. she's like, are you queuing on? And then, so what he wants, so is what we all want. You know, ultimately what we all want, uh, we take her home and punch her face to death. He wants to take her home, tr- you know, you know, become a kind of a more of a father figure, make her comfortable. And then when she least expects when she's it, at her most happy, she's going to cry chopper in the face, sending her uh, nose into her brain and killing her. And then he would he says, I will assume her power in the afterlife. Well, yeah, like it doesn't his plan doesn't make sense. And he wants to die um, like real quick after that. He really it's very strange. He's telling Martin Sheen that he wants to die real soon yeah and to his credit martin sheen looks like wow that's that's a weird thing to want you know yeah, he was thinking like maybe he wanted her you know just so he could you know use the hov lane mm-hmm. and it was not that it was he wanted to she wanted some super fucking murder meanwhile they've been the dad they've been doing tests with him but they've been suppressing his powers through medication like he can't make them work and he realizes this and he stops taking his medication so he can be with his daughter. So he can trick everybody and then mind control everybody and then get to his daughter. Mm-hmm. And so he stops taking his meds. That's cool that they just, and he pretends to be addicted to them, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Like, and then he, you know? I guess that's why he is, he smiles so much when he's able to change the channel. Yeah. He's able to get him, yeah, get his reign. And what does he change the channel to? Are the cartoons? I think, or it's a Woody, I, I think it's Woody Woodpecker, maybe. It's either Woody Woodpecker, Roadrunner, or Udak Tsukidoji. I don't remember which one it was. Can't zoom in that hard. Um, and then we also meet one of the other uh, people that works at this facility, the legendary actor Moses Gunn from Heartbreak Ridge. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest overactors of all time, Moses Gunn. You think so? Yeah. He's not bad in this. It's, he's funny to watch. He's funny to watch. No. So, all, you know, things sort of escalate. And David Keith, like, their plan is to is to get rid of David David Keith ASAP. They don't want them to ever be reunited because it makes them stronger. So Martin Sheen kind of, you know, because Keith is playing this, like, all he's all addicted. He's like, well, let's send him to Hawaii. And they go on this little walk through the through the marsh. Martin Sheen, like, cr- like fondling a, a, a long leaf. You know, like a long blade of grass, and David Keith has got him in his fucking paws, and that's when he starts using his mind control. It's a fun little scene. Tells him he's holding. Fun, he's, yeah. Tells him he's holding a snake at one point, and he stares down at a miniature Kurt Russell figure in his hands. That's right. You can let it hang. It's not good. <laughs> Just let it hang. Just let the silence wash. I'm tired. A little close to David Patrick Kelly, if you think about it. A little dreamscape yeah. action. So, um, yeah, he, he has Martin Sheen in his, in the palm of his mind and he makes him, uh, he's like, I'm going to, he, he gets, he gets a message to his daughter. He's like, get to the stables and we're going to leave this. We're going to blow this pop stand. And so, you know, she trusts George C. Scott, of course. And she tells him her friend, my daddy's going to rescue me tonight in the barn. So then, you know, he sets up George C. Scott sets up shop in the barn with a gun. And he starts, his pants start stirring. He's like that. He's like, I'm getting so close to punching her face to death. Yeah. So it's funny. We, we get to see George, George C. Scott do a ladder stunt, which is good. Climbing that ladder into the rafters. I think he almost punches her face. He gets interrupted. I think he almost does it. They, they show his hand go up and then this guy comes in to, and calls her name to get, yeah, but she, to take her away. I think it was putting his hand up to like knock her out so we could take her away. Not to. Kill oh, her. is that what he was doing? I don't think, yeah. you know, she wasn't at her most happy. 
Well, she kind of was. Her dad was going to But it's great her. because Martin Sheen has become uh, David Keith's puppet. And they show up inside this hangar and the hangar in this main, in this um, stable. And mm-hmm. George C. Scott is eavesdropping. He's got his, he's got him in his sights. And there's a, you know, there's a little interaction there. And there's a, fu- it's funny because he's up in like, she basically, she indicates to them that Mr. Rainbird is in the rafters. They have this little funny conversation where he's like threatening them and Martin Sheen's there all being weird. She basically says that he has to let her, let her dad live or whatever. And he goes, I'll give you my real word, which I thought was, yeah. I'm not, yeah. I, that's that nobody's falling for that. Martin Sheen lives. Guess, Martin Sheen lives. Yeah. So what happens to Martin Sheen in this scene? He gets, I'm trying to he remember. Gets shot in the head by Mr. George. Shot in the head by yeah Rainwater, and then he because he yeah, and then and then David Keith gets shot in the neck, right? He gets shot like in the high shoulder, yeah. And it's so funny because then Drew Barrymore is like, "All bets are off. I'm going to fuck this up." She starts setting mm-hmm. things on fire, and you know, poor Necromancer's shit in his pants. You know, basically, she has to dispatch of one George C. Scott, and it's so funny because. Um, his la- Do you remember his last words and how he dies? No. She sends him hurtling across the, the barn on fire. Right. And he's going, I love you. <laughs> and then he smashes into the wall. It's so adorable. One of my favorite George C. Scott kills. He doesn't, like, you think his death would be saved to the end, and then he would get, like, kind of an elongated death, but he gets a quick death here. And, and, then, and so as a viewer, you're like, well, that was kind of a neat ending. I guess that's the end of the mayhem. Uh, I guess I'm going to start putting my shoes on and what happens? She goes crazy and she comes out the barn with, she releases all the horses. And then uh, I think she releases it with her mind, but she, so she's got some of that yeah, stuff. She, going I on think too, she right? melts the latches off. Oh, is that what yeah, she does? Yeah. Yes. She melts the latches. And then, so she walks out and then of course all the, <clears throat> the whole crowd, all the bad guys are out there, all the government agents and they're trying to take shots at her or some of them trying to get away. It's and she goes so dem- wild. It's so demoralizing because not only are they getting killed, they're getting killed by somebody in a Canadian tuxedo. I swear, Denim. And she, she now she has fireballs at her disposal. Amazing. So these things are just incredible. Yeah, and like uh, she takes out Moses, the, the the actor. He's he gets in a golf cart and and goes like two miles per hour out of there. It doesn't work. She uh, blows that up. She she just she sends like fire chasing people into the woods like she burns everybody and um, shoots somebody up into a tree she, which made me laugh like a cute man. She sends people go into the house for protection. She sends fireballs into the house to blow up the house. Like she does everything. She kills everything. And, and what makes it so funny is first of all the sound effect of the fireball is is amazing. It's like this like low rumbling hiss that that proceeds that yeah. flying towards the camera. But the way that they edit it. They'll cut from fireball to fireball that are like on top of one, like basically time. The timing of it is like run yeah. right, run it right after the other, and it gets you're almost concussed with how many fireballs she is firing at these people. It is adorable and insane. I wonder if like it was dangerous. Yeah, they said they you were know. surprised like that nobody got hurt, not one stunt person got hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously pre CG, they were really like yeah. we we should not have done what we did. Like it was insane. This movie's directed by Mark L. Was his name Mark L. Lester? Mark Lester. Yep. What's his Mark name? Mark Lester. Yeah. Command- and, uh, Commando. Yeah, and he also did a movie called a John Candy Eugene Levy movie called Armed and Dangerous that I used to I think love. He may have done no, he didn't do Rod Deal. It was John Urban, I think. Yeah. But yeah, this was Armed uh, and Dangerous was shit. I love that movie for some reason. It made me laugh. I don't know why. You don't like I it, hated huh? It. I was so excited about it. Eugene Levy, John Candy, and somebody else, uh, an actress that I can't remember. Was it Mary? Something. Not the redhead Mary. Uh, from Saturday Night Live, not oh maybe. What was her? It might be an SNL actress. I, I'm I'm sure I'm wrong, but that movie was poop. She, she shot it pretty close. Meg Ryan. 
Oh yeah, it was Meg Ryan. Jonathan on the banks. Thanks. Yeah, Ryan James. Steven rails back. It's a huge cast. Tiny Lister, Tito Puente, James Tolkien from Top Gun, Robert Loja. What a yeah, what a piece of cock that movie was. So it's great. Anyway, so yeah, this movie ends with in a hail of fire. And so what? What at the end? The last, What's the last scene here? So she shows up. Yeah, a, a truck pulls up at the Irv Manders' farm, and she rolls out hard, and she's like, gives Louis Fletcher accepts her, and uh, like, I guess you're, I guess you're ours now. And then the last shot is her and Art Carney heading into the New York Times, about to blow things up. I don't remember the book at all. I know that it's got to be amazing but I think it's close I, I think the book ends with them going to rolling stone not to wherever paper they go to in this but they're going to leak the details man she's going to get the word out she, she said i got fire in my fingertips and i and they're trying to get she me goes, she goes she goes into rolling stone waits about seven years and says i get it you like john hyatt enough already <laughs> enough with the five-star john hyatt album reviews for god's sakes <laughs> Oh, by the way, I also create it's fire. It's a slow burning. <laughs> it's a slow burning. Is that a John Hyatt song? I have no idea. I just remember. <laughs> I just remember they gave him a five star review every time he looked at something. Yeah, it's. I I actually had a blast watching this movie. Me too. I don't think it's that. I think it's fun to watch. It is it's good, and it's great because a lot of these. I mean, it's fine. You know, I can't. I, it's not great, but it's 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 fun enough to watch. You know, it, I always kind of lumped it in with that that middle tier or lower tier King stuff, like Children of the Corn yeah. and Cujo and Tommy Knockers. It's better than all those films. And so Drew Barrymore, she's been doing, you know, she has a show. You know, she has a talk show that she does during the day. And uh, she always is reuniting people from her past movies. You know, she's had like the Charlie Angels actresses on. She's had, I don't know if she's had, a, I don't know if she's had ET people on, but she's had people like in her past films. And so I wonder if she get old David Keith on there, Martin Sheen, you know, talk about Firestarter. She did have Stephen King and they did talk about this. I did look up that clip. And she had the, the he talked, she had the adorable little goblin from Cat's Eye on. Be amazing. Yeah. She, he, Stephen King, that's a, that's worth watching. Cause he, he's very like, he's like, we're, you were in two of my, things you were we're connected you know he's like and then and, and then when that playboy came out i looked the hell at it looked at it like a lot did you see it i don't think i ever saw it i still have it was it a game changer for you or something no i, I wasn't a fan of drew barrymore it, it just said I, I think i have like six copies of playboy from the from like the 90s and that was one of them i don't know why it's in my shit i don't know why it's awesome you still have it huh maybe it's worth money i can't it can't be you bet can you imagine facebook Facebook marketplace. <laughs> Can you imagine meeting some fucker in a parking lot with a, <laughs> you got the goods? Yeah, you got the money. Like, I can't wait to see her tattoo and her weird life. Was she was she actually naked in it? Because a lot of times they would do stuff where yeah, she's completely naked. She wouldn't be naked. Yeah, you know, the actress wouldn't be naked. So I mean, look, Drew Barrymore had a tattoo in that issue, and uh, so can you as well. The whirring sound is not David Keith's psychokinesis but it's of a tattoo parlor at a shop not unlike mm-hmm. in this movie right what do you get and put on your body from Firestarter? such a good question nick i've got a um right over my my buttock right over my buttocks i've got just a, a nameplate that says necromancer like right over it <laughs> that's it just the nameplate yeah <laughs> Well, I like that one. Yeah, and so you know, obviously, if I ever, if somebody's ever in a uncompromising position where I'm ass facing them, 
they can get a little fire started trivia going. I would just get a picture of like one of the iconic images from this movie is the dad, you know, David Keith, carrying his da- denim clad daughter in his arms like through a crowd. Like I get that the pose of father and daughter and he's carrying he's carrying her, you know, like in his arms to safety. And under it I'd I'd, I'd write more like Drew Carrymore. It's pretty good. <laughs> a little joke, a little tattooed joke. Yeah. I think I get some laughs. Where would where would I place that? Huh? Someplace you get a lot of sight. Yeah, I, maybe on my palm. <laughs> Drew, so, do, do people people get their tat, their palms tattooed? Right? No, I haven't seen a whole lot of those. I don't think the ankle mm-hmm. hold. I'd hurt, that would hurt like the Dickens, by the way. It would, but I mean, I imagine people have done it, right? I mean, people get everything tattooed. Yeah, movie's over, credits are rolled. It's time to toss a stinger onto the end of this film. Hey, yeah. what are you going to throw on the back of it? I mean, you you know what I got. Let's hear it. It's dark. And you just hear a little piano. Come on. A little spotlight, a little Billy Joel on his piano. <laughs> singing, we didn't fire starter. <laughs> we didn't fire starter. It's always burning since lot six injected into two strangers who later married and gave birth to uh, a kid with pyrokinesis. <laughs> That's the lyrics. What do you think? And the music video is him and Christine Brinkley being turned away from the theater because it's sold out. We didn't fire starter. <laughs> we didn't fire starter. Uh, he didn't. Maybe that. I'd like to think that Billy Joel saw this movie. You know, we don't know a lot about his tastes. Like, do does he ever talk about the kind of kinds of movies he likes to go to? He doesn't. I know you follow. I know you follow him. And a big one went. I'm sorry. A big one went away for you this this week. Who? I know you're such a huge Chris Chris Noth guy. No, he didn't die. I wish, but uh, yeah, no, he. I know he was one of your idols. You're a big Chris Noth head. <laughs> yeah, he's done though. He's because he, he's a piece of shit. That's because he's being unfairly maligned by these people. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, that's too bad. What? A, we're gonna miss him? Oh man, what a talent! It's like a block of wood for fucking 50, forty years on screen with a name that's incomplete. He's got nothing to give. I know, but and they hired him. I know he's got the worst name. It's like the rest of his name fell off. He was on the Equalizer, by the way. He was with Queen Latifah of all people. Jesus. No longer. He's done. Yeah. Anyway, so what about you? So mine is uh, the New York Times. We, we we see the we see the building from street level, looking up at the New York Times, and we hear Drew Barrymore shouting, "You don't believe me? What?" And then the next shot is the New York Times exploding. <laughs> that's actually an incredible <laughs> incredible extended scene i'm jealous man yeah and then and then and then yeah. and then you see the post like huge the post is losing their fucking shit um all right um money has crossed uh waves of time and escrow has happened under it and there is a Sequel greenlit that you're in charge of for Firestarter. A sequel, huh? Mm-hmm. Mine's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. She's kind of loves her powers. She's be yeah. she's mature. She's become a grown woman, sure. and she uses her powers little thing here and there. Every once in a while, she'll escalate, but she loves having it. She she's got it under wraps. She's never she hasn't killed anybody. She'll just pilot lights out, bang, you know, birthday candles, woof, you know, easy shit, right? Meets a beautiful man, they fall in love. He knocks her out. I mean, well, he knocks her up, and. uh <laughs> She is just so happy. She, you know, gender reveal party. She's, you know, blew something up. It was so cool. She's like 
talking to her friends. I'm the happiest I've ever been. I've had this charming husband. I've got this beautiful baby. I have these fire creation powers. It's really mm-hmm. the trifecta. Her water breaks and puts out her fire powers. <laughs> and she holds a grudge against that kid for his entire goddamn life. Yep. It's pretty good. Yep. Mine's similar. Um, mine's called, my sequel is called Water Starter. <laughs> and it's the exact same story, except the, the kid has uh, the boy. He's a son. He, he has water powers, and so there's the whole um, the dad's holding the bread, and he, the kid's just supposed to make it a little a little bit damp, and he makes it soaked. Uh, they're at the airport later, and he he makes the soldier's shoes wet, and he has the guy has to put them in fire to get them dry. Yeah. You know, it's just like it's the opposite. But the thing is, like no one's really pursuing them because they don't they don't care too much about water water powers. Yeah. So they're trying to get pursued. They're trying to get the bad guys interested in testing them, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, so they're, he's washing, washing people's cars when they don't want to, you know, like he, he's just springing water from his hands, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. At the end, he goes absolutely crazy and gets the whole, a bunch of people wet. Yeah. He soaks them. He gets mad. Goes to New Orleans, really fucks up. So yeah, water star. I think that could be it. I'm, I'm down. Um, money is continuing to channel its way through your zone. You've been given the financing to uh, have your own business associated with Firestarter. What are you doing? I don't know. What about you? I have a uh, a plastic molded, very small plastic molded Drew Barrymore in the motorcycle riding position. Yeah, I've, I've mass produced these things, and inserted within it is a, a very com- complex array of circuitry and whatnot. Um, and I've created my own business called Flame Tag. It's, it's sort of like Laser Tag, but instead, you and your friends, you have these like plastic molded, pistol shaped Drew Barrymores in the motorcycle riding position that you walk around firing catastrophic flames onto one another in a room. <laughs> okay. And it's really cool because you like you run around the maze and you're and you're squeezing her and flames are flying out. And you know, ah, I won. You, you, you know, I fucking love it. Like the, you know, even dads, even dads love it. Go in there and hold that, hold that Drew Barrymore and just incinerate a, a variety of children. Is that the is that the catch catchphrase on the box or whatever, whatever? However, you sell it, even dads love it. <laughs> yeah, you'll love squeezing this plastic Drew. Yeah, mine. Do you ever go to the store and see? You know, every once in a while they'll like do. a the brand, like they'll bring character into sp- the SpaghettiOs world. <laughs> <laughs> they will. They'll jam the SpaghettiOs, for, uh, you know, cans with some IP, you know. And I'm thinking they got Mario. Like Mario's big in the SpaghettiO world, right? Like in Mario with meatballs. So they have the. Mar- so I would do SpaghettiO shaped Drew Barrymore, and then the meatballs would be like her fireballs. <laughs> You know, yeah. and it's like, you know, fire starter SpaghettiOs or something like that. Now, I'm, this is like not a joke. I Like, this is something I would buy. And I think other people might as well. Right. You can even make the meatballs a little spicy. Yeah. You know, that could be the catch. Right. You know, or you can have Keith, little, Keith balls. A Keith, we could have a little David Keith's in there. Yeah. Holding his hair. <laughs> you can imagine your guy at the factory, like the architect, the, the SpaghettiO architect that has to fashion the pasta noodle of. Yeah. David Keith holding his hair. No, I was saying it's spaghetti and Keith balls is what I was saying. 
Might have, like as I was talking about, this is something I would buy. Right. So by the way, anyway. did you have you ever eaten spaghettios? Of course. You haven't? I don't think I ever have. I would I don't think you should start. I, yeah. It's not I was so prejudiced against them. Why? Coming from New York and being an Italian family, I just I felt like it was yeah. like this huge thing. And I'm, I'm sure they're delicious, but I, I I I would turn them down and not eat. I took such a hard yeah. stance on it. It's a fun. It's a fun food, you know. Like that's the thing. The kids like it because it's fun. You know, even the normal spaghettios with the little O mascot with eyes. Mm-hmm. Like you know, just eating the those circles are fun. You know, it's very saucy. It tastes like you wouldn't like it because it's very. It's almost like ketchupy. Yeah, you wouldn't I, like it. And the it. commercials threw me off too. Like mm-hmm. the the father coming home at like four p.m. saying, "Let me see your O face," to the to the kids. It's like I don't know if that rides. I would. I would go for like a more gourmet spaghettios. I wonder if they make that. You know, I wouldn't mind cracking a can of that. You know, and if it's something that's a little bit upper crust, you know, like something that costs a little bit more money, like a twenty dollar can of spaghettios because it's the gourmet version, I'd, I'd be up for that. I try it. See, well, there's so many different forms of, of macaroni. You know, mm-hmm. you can have a sure. you can have a lot of. Fun. This is that's a huge zoom, by the way. <laughs> that is. I cannot believe how many steps in a grocery store I can take and still be in the macaroni section. Yeah, like, that's fair. I, that's fair enough. Threaded yeah. past the vermicelli. I've made my way past the wagon wheels and the, and the pastina. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, look, a little star. I'm still going and there's still pasta on my right. What the fuck? Can you imagine? Though? There's so right. many possibilities on tie-ins to pasta. So many possibilities. Did you say that? I didn't because I think there's a restaurant. Did you go there? Did you go no, there? There's a restaurant called Possibilities. Though. I hope so. What what are the what other pastas fit movie tie-ins like? What other pasta movie tie-ins we could do? You mean for spaghettios? No, no, like different pastas in that same format with character stuff, right? Oh, okay, yeah, like sure. like ZT. <laughs> yeah, Drew Barrymore could be in that. Yeah, one too. exactly. Or nice. Yeah, Vermithraxicelli. You know, you could do a little Dragon Slayer. Angel Keith David's hair, <laughs> or Angel David Keith's hair. I can't. Even, I never can get it right. I'll just say it the whole time. Obviously, I have. Um, what else? Or, or Angel and Catch. Caviz, <laughs> man. Caviz is full QAnon. Jim Caviezel. He went full QAnon. It's the best thing that has ever happened in this Earth's history that he went full QAnon. Key, uh, that uh, Jim Caviz, I can't believe it. That is incredible. He's like guest speaker at the crazy conference. Yeah. What a douchebag. <laughs> it's incredible to me. Um, fucking what a also another block of wood that has somehow made it you know a career because he had like short hair so they're like you know we should hire him because he's sort of handsome has short hair let's put him in movies and then he's just stunk up fucking everything for 25 years and now he's queuing on (laughs) it's incredible what a run you know what a run Amazing. And he's been in some legit movies. Yeah, always brought nothing to him too. Like what what is he what's he been good in? Kind of Monte Cristo. But it, it, he wasn't the he wasn't the good part in that movie. It was Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Dagmara Dominatrix or whatever. Yeah, she's on Succession now. Yeah. A little bit. He was good at Frequency. I I don't think I've ever seen Frequency. So, but I mean, come on. There's you can't. There's not a lot of top. You can't even put together a top five Jim Caviezel performances, can you? I know he played Jesus. He did play Jesus, and he also played Catch. He did. What a thick pile of shit. <laughs> Jim so you're uh you're in the movie you're in you're in the running yeah. time of Firestarter. what shape does your performance take man that's a good question i'd be one of the uh, the people that also was experimenting on that didn't die like we see this guy's eyes bleed out remember his eyes like I, I, I was there. happy to see that happen to that guy by the way 
Yeah, I mean, he seemed like a nice guy actually. But I, I'd be one. I'd also be released, and I, I slowly realize my power, which is I can control, I can control caterpillars, and I can make them if I want to climb on my shoulder. <laughs> and the guy, the scientist, overreacts. He goes, "Don't forget the caterpillar guy. He's gonna crack the earth in half." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, kill him too. Yeah. I love one of the experiments they do with David Keith in this movie. By the way, they he they try to get him to mind control a person to put ink in water. They can't do it. He goes, "Put ink in water," and the guy's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> but I'm holding my hair. It's not working. Hey, what about you? I'm an agent who is trying to capture David Keith, and he, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's on the spot. Like he he didn't see me coming, so he like, turns around and there I am. Grabs his head and says, "You know," he's like, "I don't know what." I got to, you know, it's not like he had time to think of like you're blind or whatever. So he just, first thing that comes to his mind, he squeezes his head and goes, name your farts. And so I'm like, uh, <laughs> Eddie, Bart, Gleason, Terry, Heinrich, fart, fart, pinhook. You know, just, I just start naming all my farts. <laughs> and he gets away and I'm just standing there at the, you know, at the, at the quick trip named farting. <laughs> And is the, the I'm assuming he didn't he didn't put this caveat in his mind control, but it sounds like you're not you're not doubling down on names. It's like every time there's a new one, you have to. It's not there's not two bombs. There's no no there's no two farts are the same. Yeah, so I'm constantly naming. I'm naming every fart from birth to that minute. So I'm going through the entire inventory, you know. So he's right. walking. He's he's like six quarter mile away, and in the distance, he was like Skip Edward Teddy. And he's three farting. That sounds like he's like it's like a rat a tat tat because he's given him three names right in a row. No, but yeah, he's, yeah, of course. So interesting. That's <laughs> and is he? Is this something this guy has to do for the rest of his life until he's named all of them? God knows. You know, when you're sleeping, you might be building arsenals. You know, so that this guy could be there a while. And right. the I, and the sad thing is, he can't even take a break to tell. Like he can't explain to the paramedics when they show up. Like Lucifer Johnson, I'm naming my farts, which is what's happening. Joke. You know, like, and so they just have to carry him away naming farts. <laughs> and they're like, this, yeah. And then, you know, it, they do a lot of research. They figure out what he's doing after a while. It's like, he must be naming his farts. <laughs> and in an act of corporate espionage, the Cabbage Patch people plant a bug in his house so he can help <laughs> name Xavier's babies. I love that you can you can tell when the movie's made in the in the mid like to almost mid eighties because there's Cabbage Patch Kids in them. That's how popular they were. They would there's a kid in the movie that they'd want a Cabbage Patch. They'd have a Cabbage Patch by them. Cabbage Patch Kid. What would be like if a movie from this year? What would be the thing that's that stinks it up in the future? I have no idea. I mean, there's so many video games now that's like yeah. But what are things that you see kids with a lot that are gonna, it's going to be silly to look at? You know, it's like like people that had pagers in movies in the nineties. Like, so what would be? Well, one thing that you see sometimes is those roller skate shoes. Like they have the wheels in the shoes. They're called those are those are. Happy, are they called Heelys? Maybe those are kind of. I don't really know. I hate like them so much. You you confessed to us, uh, to me or you revealed to me on the show earlier that you had a boy couch patch kid, right? I think so. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or did you have the knockoff version? No, I I, 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 I handled a knockoff version, but it looked like it had pantyhose yeah. instead. But I believe I was gifted a, uh, a boy kid. I guess it's your parents and like sneaking like sneaking things into the trash once you've lost interest in it. Sure. Because I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, give it away. I very rarely remember actively getting rid of anything in my childhood except for the things I burned. Mm-hmm. So there is some pretty good parent work being done. Like I guess it's, I don't do that to my kids. I know that my wife does. I know that my wife will. will yeah, we do it. We do it. We, we'll, we'll get. Yeah. You have to do it because they, they accumulate so much stuff and then they get tired of it. Yeah. So then you give it away or yeah, throw it away. I can't do it. I get. I, I feel so like I have all the memories that are attached to it, so I, I can't get rid of one. I'm not good at throwing anything of mine away, but yeah, we secret that stuff, some of their stuff away. Maybe my wife does it to me too, and I don't realize it. I don't know, but I certainly have trouble partying with like receipts. You know, like I'm I'm tough. I can't get rid of anything. Like uh, what? What happened to the dog? <laughs> dog's been cute, but dog's been pretty good lately. By the way, she just barks whenever the people come up to the house. A lot. Other than that, she's been good. Um, uh, look, you're on an island. Mm-hmm. You've been there all these many years, gathering debris from various films, and now it's time for you to take something from Firestar. Man, what shape? What you got? What you, what you, what you bring in? It's a good question. I know what John Rainbird would bring to his, but the ClecoVision box is tempting. She was actually playing it, by the way. We didn't say that. She hooked it up. She was playing it. Well, I mean, if you did, you watch the director's cut. Mm-mm. There's a scene where um, she tells John Rainbird, "I can see Smurfette's clit." <laughs> He's like, I know. Um, I don't know what I would take. Going over like my my notes here, I'd take that long bridge to the. <laughs> I would take that long bridge to grand, grandfather's cabin. Right. Looks like it's about thirty feet. I mean, this little rickety. By the way, that's long that's what, man-made bridge. That's what Jersey Scott called the schlong. So be careful. I mean, longer. It looked like it was like seventy feet long. I don't know how long. Oh, it was just a long bridge, and it didn't look stable. I just love it. I would put that on my island. I mean, maybe if there's like a little. I don't know what they call it. Part I can put it on the beach. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Out to the water. I don't know. I just, I take that. Nice. What about you? So you're looking through your uh, telescope at my island and uh, you look, you're not looking at my activity. You're looking at the, at, at the sand on the beach there. And there's a, a weird bit of footprints there. You're like, was Jesus carrying somebody around? No, no, no. You, Caviezel? You're looking around like, what, what, what's this, these weird erratic footprints all over the place? And then, you know, you forget about it. Maybe a week later, you, you, you happen to be gandering over again, and you see a different, weird assortment of oddly placed footprints in the sand. Like, what in the actual is going on on Nick's Island? And then on mm-hmm. the third time, you've forgotten about it again, and you're looking through your telescope, and lo and behold, you see something that you weren't expecting to see. Two blind guys stumbling about on the corner of the island, just walking aimlessly in the surf, like not knowing what the fuck's going on. And then you took Leon Rippy. You took Leon, Leon Rippy and, and Fred. Yeah. And yeah, the guy from Donnie Brasco. Um, and then you look and you see me on a, on a leather swing, laughing my ass off watching them. <laughs> like, look at these fucking idiots just mindlessly That's roaming the beach. Don't you think at some point that they would get used to it, though? No, because I have a, my island. Uh, I have a, a shifting island, so it's 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 mm-hmm. things are constantly moving around. So it's always it's always a, a big surprise for them. They're fucked. Oh sure. Yeah, so every- by the way, you know that story, right? The old you're kind of alluding to it, but you know you see you see a set of two sets of footprints in the sand, and all of a sudden one's gone, and there's just one set of footprints. Yeah. That's when Kaviza went queuing on. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? No, actually, that's when Q the winged serpent took him. 
<laughs> I wish. Can you imagine if, because uh, that, you know, I, I always thought that was kind of a beautiful poem or whatever it was, you know, the whole, I mm-hmm. mean, I'm not a religious person, but it's kind of a beautiful poem. When Jesus was carrying yeah, you, like that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's what, but I think it'd be funnier if that's the, that's the uh, cover up, but the real, the tech before it got redacted, Jesus like, yeah, that's when Kexicato came and took you away. <laughs> Jesus ran screaming. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>